Hey, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. And you know, I just saw Kenneth III is here. How old is he? He's like three days old? Four days old. We, you guys get a prize. Well, you guys can have all the mints you want. So uh, that's awesome. Wow. You guys are brave. But um, hey, I, I do want to thank uh, all of you, not just you guys, but all of you for, uh, for making our Christmas Eve services part of your holiday. And Tonight, the night before Christmas, and all through each service, uh, we're going to be wrapping up our Advent series, and if you missed any of that series, you can go to vcdc.org uh, uh, to catch up on that, or there's lots of information on our church website, but uh, if Advent is a word that means absolutely nothing to you, uh, just a little explanation, Advent season, is the, it's the four weekends leading up uh, to Christmas Day. And at the heart of the season of Advent are descriptive words like waiting, anticipating, longing, preparing, and finally arrival. And when I think of Advent, the picture I get is what many of you uh, have been going through maybe today or over the last couple of days, and that's getting your house ready for holiday guests, right? Someone is arriving and you want your house to be ready for their arrival. Well, when I think of Advent, really, uh, in the church, it's, it's quite a, really stirs up a similar picture, but instead of getting a house ready, we're getting our hearts ready, removing any seasonal clutter, uh, making room for Jesus, getting ready for his arrival, at which we celebrate uh, this Christmas season. And in this Advent uh, season that we've been in, we've been preparing our hearts by uh, each weekend looking at a different uh, Christmas carol. And it's really important, I know we're singing lots of Christmas carols this time of year, but it's important to remember that most of these songs uh, were not originally written as Christmas carols. They were written as worship songs. They were written for the church to sing. They were written trying to capture something of the character of God, something of the, the mystery and the wonder of the birth of Jesus, trying to capture just how much you and I need him. And many of the carols uh, that we sing this time of year are loaded with Scripture, which means they're loaded with Bible stories. And so during this season, uh, during this series, we've used different lines or phrases from these Christmas carols as jumping off points for our talks. And so far, we've looked at uh, O Holy Night, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and the Little Drummer Boy, also known as O Little Drummer Boy. Most of the writers of these songs were Irish. You guys actually laughed. Thank you. My self-esteem just went up three notches. Okay. This evening, I'm going to be looking at uh, one of my favorite Christmas carols, which is Joy to the World. Uh, but to set up my talk, I want to ask you some questions. Kids, you can help out here. Okay, how many of you have already opened your gifts? I don't see many. Oh, I see a couple. They look a little anxious. I want to get home. There you go. How many of you are going to open your gifts tonight? A few more. Now, ready? Here we go. How many of you are going to open your gifts tomorrow morning? Whoosh. Look at, wow, look at that. Uh, okay, let me ask you another question. How many of you would say, and be honest, how many of you would say, I'm a really good gift buyer? Like, I know how to get the perfect gift for people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, look, they're like, oh, am I being proud? No, you're not. You're just answering the question. But okay, what about on the other side? How many of you would say, I'm a lousy gift buyer? Like, buying gifts stresses me out. Like, if I could lift both legs, I would do that. I am, uh, I, I literally second guess 
most of the gifts I buy? Like, is it, is it the right gift? Is it the right color? Is it the right size? Did I spend too much? Did I spend too little? And, you know, for prepping this evening, for this evening, I discovered that I am not alone in this uh, struggle. Did you know that gift-giving anxiety, we need another one to add to the list, but gift-giving anxiety is a very real and growing form of social anxiety. Listen to this quote. The amount of anxiety one feels at giving a gift is dependent on the need for approval and the fear of being seen or judged in a negative way by the one receiving the gift. People with gift-giving anxiety think things like this. What if my spouse doesn't like the gift? What if my children think I was cheap? Or I bought more for their brother or sister. Maybe I shouldn't be bringing this up right now. What if my boss, yeah, you see this kid's, yeah, what about that? But what if my boss thinks my gift is inexpensive or they don't like the color? What if my sister already has this item? Will my gift to dad be as good as my brother's gift to him? Anxious gift givers recognize that some people will see their gifts as love yardsticks. How do you love me? Oh, let me count the gifts, right? It's estimated that this Christmas season in in the United States, over $700 billion are going to be spent on the Christmas season, and a really big chunk of that will be money spent by you, by me, trying to find that gift, hoping to find that gift that's going to bring happiness, going to bring joy to another person. So now, moving towards uh, joy to the world, uh, if you and I get stressed out over buying, you know, a handful of gifts, could you imagine choosing one gift, one gift to give to the whole world? Like, could you imagine the stress or like of trying to find one gift that would bring joy to the entire planet, right? I thought about that. I mean, I thought, okay, what about this? What if, what if we started by giving clean water to drink for everybody? That's pretty cool, right? But, but, but depending on where you live in this planet, that might not give you joy. We're pretty used to that, right? What about this one? This one's a little, this is a little heavier one. What about curing cancer? Right? That would bring joy to a lot of people. But what if I have a heart condition? Or what if I have diabetes? What about this one? What if the Browns won the Super Bowl? <laughs> hey, someone just got saved. That's awesome. <laughs> I think, look at that. People are weeping. Look, I didn't expect that. But I mean, personally, I think that would be awesome. I'm not a Browns fan, but I am a fan of Browns fans. They are amazing people. But, but okay, so you see, you see where I'm going with this. Uh, like one gift to give joy to all? Like doesn't that seem impossible? Well, this carol, Joy to the World, and more importantly, the Bible would say, nope. That's, that's not impossible. Uh, over the last four weekends, part of each service has been playing a recorded version of, of the carol that, you know, that we're, we're talking about. And, and because this service is a little shorter, instead of listening to one, uh, I'm going to read you the lyrics to Joy to the World. And this is the traditional uh, version of Joy to the World. Here's how it goes. You can read along. It'll be on the screens. This is by Isaac Watts. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. 
repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Now, here's a verse that we don't always sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. How far? Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. Last verse. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. Now, let me start by asking you a question to see if you were listening. But according to this carol, uh, what gift did God give that brought joy to the world? That's always a good answer in church, isn't it? But you're right. <laughs> the gift he gave, 20 points, the gift he gave is his son. He gave the gift of Jesus. And that's totally the story we find in the Bible. Luke 2 verse 8 says this. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So what I just read there says that Jesus, the gift of Jesus will bring great joy to all people. Well, how is that possible? Well, there's a key word in what the angel uh, said to the shepherds, and really there's a lot of key words in there, but the one I want to focus on this evening is the word Savior. The angel said, you know, this one who's born, this Jesus, this gift, that he's the Savior. Well, what does that mean? Well, it tells us two things. It says something about who Jesus is, but it also says something about the condition of the world. And, you know, I try to imagine God, he's up in heaven. I mean, I don't know if he walks like that, but he, you know, he's a little stressed. He's got to buy a gift. He's got to get one gift to give joy to the whole world. And he's walking around and God is really smart. He knows everything and he totally gets the human condition. And so he's walking around. He goes, I know what I'm going to get the world. He said, they don't need more stuff. What they need is a savior. I'm going to send them a savior. Well, a good question to ask would be, well, what do we need to be saved from? Well, in Joy to the World, the third verse totally answers that question. Here's what it says. It says, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. So what do we need to be saved from? Well, the Bible teaches that God has an enemy. And the enemy has power, but he doesn't have near the power that God has. And so the enemy, he can't attack God. He can't do anything to God. So instead, what he does is he attacks the ones God loves. Who's that? That's us. That's the world. That's all the people of the world. That's who he attacks. And so uh, uh, this is not a news flash. Looking out at all of you, this is not a news flash, but, but, um, but life can be hard, can't it? And wouldn't you say that sometimes it seems like there's an unseen force that is against you? Like, doesn't it seem that way sometimes? Well, the Bible would say that's actually very true. There is a force that's against you. And he's called the enemy. 
And here's his game plan for you. It's, we see it again in Joy to the World. His goal is for sins and sorrows to grow. Right? His goal is that the world would be infested with thorns. I mean, that's a pretty ugly picture. But that really captures what the Bible says about the world. The Bible says that the world is under a curse. And the world needs a savior. And Jesus, the gift that God gives, has given, Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus has come to totally reverse the work of the enemy. Jesus has come to turn it all around. The Bible says that Jesus has come to make all things new. And there is nothing and there is no one that is beyond the saving power of Jesus. Joy to the world totally captures it. How far does his saving power go? Well, what does it say? As uh, it goes, let me make sure I read it. Far as the curse is found. You know, that's really good news. Because as I look around at all of you, there is no one in this room, there is no situation that, that is weighing you down this evening that is beyond the reach of Jesus. That is beyond the reach of his, of his saving power. See, when Jesus first came to earth as a little baby boy, Christmas, what we're celebrating uh, tonight and tomorrow, this rescuing work was started. And then on the cross, Easter, Jesus destroyed the power of the enemy's greatest weapons, and that's sin and it's death. And when Jesus comes back the second time, his rescuing work will be complete. And, and here's a taste of what that uh, uh, complete work will look like. Revelations 21 says this. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And this is beautiful. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. No more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, preacher man, if that's what you're thinking. If what you just said is true, okay, if what you just said is true, well, then I can see that bringing joy to the world then. What about now? I mean, have you watched the news? Personally, I don't. <laughs> I've got enough things, you know, enough negatives in my life. I don't need to watch the news. But just look around you. What's going to bring joy to the world now? Well, I'm so glad you were thinking that. Uh, let me preface my answer with this. We need to understand that there's a big difference between happiness and joy. And the Bible says that Jesus has come to give joy to the world, not necessarily happiness. Well, where am I going with this? Happiness is built on circumstances. Joy is built on truth. Happiness is like a thermometer, right? You know this. Happiness goes up and down, right? Ooh, I'm happy. Oh, I'm not happy. Ooh, I'm happy. I mean, happiness is dragged around by your circumstances, on the other side, joy is like a thermostat. It sets the tone for your life, regardless of the circumstances. And God is the one who sets the thermostat. And it's in reading the Bible that we discover what is the setting, what is God's setting that will give us, that will give us joy. Happiness is found in what you have, 
Joy is found in who has you. That's a big difference. Jesus knows that in this life we will all have struggles, and I don't totally understand why. I have some thoughts, but, but he has decided to let us live out our lives now in the struggle, and then one day it'll be off to heaven. But his promise for now is that he will always be with us. And from time to time, he will encourage us. He will encourage you. He will put wind in your sails by giving you a taste of the life that's come, that eternal life that I read about a little earlier. But uh, so this side of heaven, Jesus wants to teach us to do this. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Imagine that. Is that even possible? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There is a peace that only God can give that just doesn't make any sense. That's totally beyond our understanding. This side of heaven, the taste of eternity that we get over and over many times is standing in the middle of a storm and experiencing calm, experiencing peace, experiencing joy that, like I said, makes no sense. And it all comes from his presence with us now. See, that's why we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Joy to the world. The Lord is here. So Jesus offers this gift, this gift of himself to everybody. Let me ask you a question. For any gift to reach its full potential, what needs to happen? You're like, it's got to be a trick question. I just know he's going to set me up. Well, think about that. For any gift to really be a gift, someone has to receive it. Right? Okay, there. You can write that down for next year. So how do we receive this gift that Jesus offers? What does the song say? It says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Now, that's really important. We need to receive him as king. Well, what, what do I mean by that? It means we don't just receive him as rescuer, although that's true. It means we don't just receive him as our coach or teacher, although that's true, he does that. We don't just receive him as our provider and protector, although that's true. We don't just receive him as our friend, although that's also true. It says to receive him as king, meaning he's in charge, meaning he's the one that sets the thermostat setting for your life. And this is really hard for us, right? This is, this is what got you and I in trouble in the first place, is we want to set the setting. We want to move it up and down depending on where we're at or what's, or what's going on in our lives. So in order to receive this gift, if we had to first change or fix that part of our hearts that says, I want to be the boss, if that were the case, we'd never get to a place of receiving the gift of Jesus. Because again, the Bible says we are that broken. We are that stubborn. But thankfully... Jesus knows that. So what does he ask of us? Well, again, the song answers that question. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. How do we receive him? It basically says we just prepare him room in our hearts. We just prepare him room in our lives. And aren't you glad it doesn't say let every heart totally clean up the room of their hearts, the room of their lives. Like get it ready for a king. That's not what it says. 
It just says to make him room. And you know, I remember uh, years ago, myself and a group of guys, we went to help someone move out of their place. They had like a, a townhouse. And it was a small place. And so I remember thinking, okay, this is going to be a fast move. And when we got there, I went to the open door and I went to open the front door of this house and I pushed the door open and went, and it just stopped. And there was just room enough for us to get through the door. And what we discovered when we went inside, what we didn't know was that the person living in this house was living in a pretty overwhelming uh, situation. We literally used snow shovels to clean the garbage out of the living room. This person was overwhelmed. They didn't know where to start to clean up their house. And you know what I know? I know that this evening there are people here that that's the way you feel in your life. You feel overwhelmed by a mess inside. You don't know where to start. Right? Or maybe it's just a certain room that you've tucked behind the back, but, but you know it's a mess, and you don't know where to start to clean it up. And here's what Jesus says. First thing he says to you right now is, I know. I see everything. I know. But then he says, hey, all I ask is open the door just enough for me to get in. And when I come in, then together, Together, we'll work on cleaning this place up. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says this. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, here's his promise. I will come in and we will share, we will share a meal together as friends. So as the band comes back, uh, uh, I believe that right now in this room, Jesus is knocking on hearts. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Hello. Hello, it's Jesus. I know you're in there. <laughs> I know you. I love you. I made you. And all you have to do to receive him is, is really just, it's really simple. It's just say yes. Jesus, I'll open the door. I'll open the door for you to come in. And I'm just looking out, I don't know everybody in this room, but I think for some of you, Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart, not just right now, but he has been for weeks, for months, maybe for years. And I just want to take some time just to get as quiet as we can, kids are doing great, but just to get quiet, and I would encourage you to close your eyes, I mean, don't let your kids run away, but I'd encourage you to close your eyes, and just, let's just give a little space right now for Jesus to come and knock on hearts. And Lord, I, I, this is what you do. You pursue us. And I pray right now that you would tune us into you. Lord, let us hear that knocking. Let us feel that knocking. Let us hear your voice calling us. And I just encourage you. Again, it sounds something so amazing, and yet it starts so simple. You, you just say, okay, yes, you can come in. Uh, why don't you open your eyes?